It's a question that I've been asked oftentimes in the last year and a half. Do you think St. Louis is really that good a market? And uh, it'll be interesting and, and very gratifying to me if, if the fans prove that to be true. Hello and welcome to Here's the Pitch, a uh, kind of a break from the entertainment I've been doing here on the channel. And we're going to talk a little sports as we get back into what I used to do mostly on this channel. I and mean, I'll probably bring it back in 2022, some more sports, more entertainment. But it is our look at uh, the Rams lawsuit and a little history lesson for folks uh, who probably don't know a little bit about how exciting it was when the Rams came here. But that was a tease at the beginning, Stan Kroenke on the day the, car, the Rams, the Cardinals, the Rams joined uh, St. Louis in the community January 20th, 1995. It was such a big day. Uh, I'm your YouTube friend, Brad, and thank you for joining me. Today, Benjamin Albright will actually be on part of this show as uh, some new content, and we will talk all about Stan and um, what he's feeling. Is there an expansion team coming to St. Louis, possibly? I don't really care about that. I'd actually rather have a college football team awarded to the St. Louis area. I'm more into the college football these days because it's more exciting, and I don't want to deal with these billionaires. But anyway, we're going to take a look back before we look forward. So that was Stan Kroenke, a little tease. Um, it was such a crazy day when the Rams showed up on January 20th and the pom-poms and the excitement. But again, the Rams came here under crazy, crazy details. Uh, first of all, I don't know if people remember this. We had to sell 40,000 PSLs. And if we did not, they were going to stay in LA. I don't know what they were going to do. Um, we also signed this crazy dome lease, uh, this stadium lease that uh, really gave them any out that they wanted uh, 10 years into it. And on that day, we talked about that with all the uh, people that were involved. So you're going to hear from Stan again here. Uh, Tom Eagleton was kind of the figurehead uh, politician leading this this group. Um, but we were thirsty. We had the stadium that was built. We thought we were getting the Jacksonville Jaguars. They, they <laughs> I have no idea. I guess, once again, we, we screwed that up. But we were supposed to have Jacksonville as part of the St. Louis group. Um, you can see on my channel. Actually, here's here's us rallying for the St. Louis Stallions. Do you think this will show the NFL that St. Louis deserves a team? I think so. I think we're going to have a good demonstration of support out here this morning, leading up to a ball being handed off at noon. And I just think that we're doing all the right things. We've got our uh, NFL uh, team in place. We've got the, the financial piece in place. And I think that we're ready to go up on November 30th and, and get the handoff. Man, we're ready. Uh, really, everyone's done a great job. Uh, Clinton's done a wonderful job getting the team uh, together in terms of the partnership. We got the Cronky Group going to take it home. Hey, move that ball! Leave this support though. Yeah, well, I don't know if you noticed, but Jerry Clinton's here. Is he really? I think that says a lot about people that want football in St. Louis. No matter what you think, what happened to Jerry Clinton? He's here, and if he's supporting this, everybody should be supporting this. Get it, Brad! The sports personalities here, Mike Bush, workers, Doug Vaughn. How you guys doing? Good. Good. How are you? You guys think, how's this look? Is it good support? Pretty good turnout. They were open for a couple thousand because they thought they needed that many to get from here to there, and I think they've got it. So you guys don't fight amongst each other, right, I guess? We sure as hell do. Oh, yeah. There's been several Texas death matches. So that was us in St. Louis showing the NFL we are a football town and we took a football and we passed it down the street down to the unfinished dome. And back then we had ownership issues again, believe it or not. We had people fighting 
who was going to own the team in the NFL decided to go to Jacksonville and instead uh, did not give St. Louis a team. It was actually fairly shocking as we all thought we were getting a team, but there was two groups fighting with each other. They could not come together. This sounds familiar, doesn't it, St. Louis folks? But it happens all the time. So we didn't get Jacksonville. We had this dome. It was empty. And we hear, oh, the Rams want to move. They don't like their stadium situation. And uh, they weren't getting a new one. Crazy that in 90, 1994, teams are leaving L.A. The Rams come to St. Louis in 1995. It was January 20th, 1995. And it was announced that day. And again, it was a crazy day. Um, people um, from Tom, <clears throat> Tom Eagleton to uh, Freeman Bosley was the mayor. Tom Eagleton was this uh, political figurehead for Fans, Inc., and uh, he was, they, everybody was gushing. We, we got the Rams, even though with this, this crazy, now that we look back, a terrible deal, all we cared about was that we got a football team because we did work so hard. We thought we had one in 1993. Here come the Rams in 95. Uh, and that's the day I met Stan Kroenke. So here's him along with uh, some of the uh, uh, interviews I did on that day with the Rams. Uh, John Shaw is part of this, and he refers to his lawyer. Just take a look. Stan Kroenke, uh, this must be a big day for you. This, your money helped us out a lot. Tell us how you feel today with the Rams coming to St. Louis. Well, I feel very excited, but, you know, I, I know that you can draw the analogy to sports. I mean, we've got to play the last five minutes of the game here. I mean, we, we, we've done well so far, but we've got to continue to work. And this um, task will not be completed until... Um, and if we make a good showing on the PSLs and if we get the vote from the owners. And I think both go hand in hand. I really believe that. Got to know how excited this town is about this. How are you feeling at this end? I'm feeling very excited, excited for the Rams, excited for the city, and glad that this transaction has been completed. When did you know that you were coming? <laughs> uh, oh, my here we go, here standing. we go, right next to me. <laughs> Should we ask this guy again? <laughs> well, we were on a 17-hour conference call on Saturday night and morning, so that gives you some idea how long we were at it. Uh, One of our experts estimated that to sell 40,000, there would be something like 16,000 purchasers. See, somebody buys two, somebody buys three, somebody buys four, and it would add up to 16,000 people writing a check. That's good for you, I guess. That's a, a more optimistic number. Let's let's dwell on that. <laughs> okay. They're calling you Mr. Football. Yeah, how, how does uh, how does that sound to you? Won't last long. <laughs> uh, well, I I'm flattered that people think kindly of me about this, but uh, uh, the important thing is the team, and uh, uh, that's what we're waiting for. Not where somebody's going to have a temporary title. Very temporary. There was a point in. Late October, what is it, or was it in early November when I when the deal looked very difficult? In fact, to use John Shaw's term, it looked like it was going to crater. We were so far apart on so many issues that it just looked like we couldn't bridge the gap. We obviously did bridge the gap, but it, 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 if you'd have been interviewing me that day, if I'd have been candid with you, I'd have told you things were bleak. Now, publicly, I might have been a little more optimistic. You can't get your people down and take them up on a roller coaster, you know. And so Tom was in charge of the day-to-day -day, uh, negotiations and the day-to-day -day contact, and we got we took the politicians out of it. And so I think that's why we were able to accomplish so much, because we stayed focused. We didn't get all over the field. We didn't let people pick us off. We didn't have side conversations. We didn't have press conferences. We let one person handle it, and we were successful.
Now tell the fans out there how important it is that they go out and buy these PSLs because this still really isn't a done deal until they announce it at the winter meetings for the uh, owners. Tell them how important it is. Really. Well, it, it's, it's extremely important uh, because one of the things is, is that the money that we need to help the Rams with their relocation and some of the other incidentals, we depend on the money from the PSL to take care of that. So it's, it's extremely important. We're not putting taxpayers' dollars in this effort. It's got to be totally fan-driven. Now, people claim that St. Louis is a sports town. They've, people are everywhere we go. They're asking, Mayor, what about the football team? Now you got one. You got a chance to get it. Let's see what you do to support it. It's all on us now. The ball's in the, fan, in the, in the citizens' court. Good evening. Are you happy about tonight's? Delirious. It seemed like there's a time in October when everything was, was kind of going downhill, and then Stan Kroenke's name came up, and everybody was happy. Did it? Did you feel good about what was going on, or did you feel you had to step in and do something? I mean, is that a year ago in October? Or, yeah. Well, no. I mean, I think that you know we we got involved because there was a need, and uh, you know. The, the further we got involved, the more we learned about it. We just felt good about it. And, and uh, once uh, we were unsuccessful in Chicago, I mean, we did, we did uh, just determine that we wanted to carry on through with it and see if we could bring it to a successful conclusion. That's what we're still trying to do. So the Rams were here. Everybody was happy. Uh, again, I want to talk about uh, just for a second that you know, we wanted to have the Jacksonville uh, team that didn't show up here, but fans would would totally be into a football team in St. Louis. I was a season ticket holder uh, pretty much from 1999 to 2011. I decided to stop buying tickets when I, I could not get the owner to give a commitment that he was gonna stay in St. Louis. I knew in 2011, this didn't look good. Um, once Stan took over and was not committing to doing anything with the dome. Again, we'll talk to Benjamin about all this stuff, uh, but I just want some context here. But uh, the, 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 day, the first game in the Dome was in November of 1995, a beautiful day. Here's a little, a little taste of that with uh, all the, uh, again, politicians uh, patting themselves on the back. That, that's probably a first sign when, when it's always the politicians telling you how great this is, but that's what happened on this day. With the members of Fans, Inc., Gephardt, Bosley Jr., Buzz Westfall, what is your feeling today now losing the Cardinals in 87 back here now in 94, 95 with the St. Louis Rams? Shows you the spirit of the town. St. Louisans are great citizens and they put up a lot of money for this stadium. It's going to pay big economic benefits for St. Louis for years and years to come. And this is probably one of the greatest things that we've been able to do in this community in a long time to be able to build a $250 million piece of infrastructure that will not only double as a football stadium but also will serve as a, one of the largest exhibition halls in America. We now have the fourth largest convention center in the country and the single largest exhibition space on one floor than any place in the country. So that makes St. Louis in the top tier in America. You sound proud. County Executive Westfall, what can you say about this building and today? Well, I agree with Senator Eagleton. It's one of the happiest days of my life, and I'm just proud that I was a part of this, and I'm proud to be a St. Louisan. I couldn't be more excited. And then just for fun, later uh, on, 1998, the Dallas Cowboys come to town. I get a chance to talk to Jerry Jones. Um, this is not what he was saying in Houston in 2015, but listen to what he said about St. Louis as a football town then. First of all, welcome to St. Louis. Have great you, to be here. Have you been here before? Oh, yes. I've spent many years here, actually, and uh, worked here for several years. And 
so proud of the fan support that you have here for the Rams and uh, the Cowboys. we got a lot of Cowboy fans here. I think St. Louis fans should thank you because you were one of the most vocal owners to get us a team and every time the, car, the St. Louis franchises look for an expansion team or a team to move here, you were one of the most vocal. You thought this is a great football well, team. Uh, St. Louis should be in the National Football League. Great fans, great people. Uh, I've got too many relatives and friends in Missouri. I had to be for the Rams being here, but uh, no, all kidding aside, uh, I just wish the Cowboys come up here and play every year. I mean, I know people, even in Columbia, outstate Missouri, are excited. Some of the people I've talked to are very interested in this team. I talked to some people from Illinois the other night, you know, as far away as Peoria, and they were very interested in getting involved. So I think that the people will support it, and uh, I know it'll be gratifying to me personally if they do, because um, it's a question that I've been asked oftentimes in the last year and a half, do you think St. Louis is really that good a market? And uh, it'll be interesting and, and very gratifying to me if, if the fans prove that to be true. So Jerry Jones, and once again, I had to put that Stan Kroenke bite in there just because it's so funny and uh, looking back at it now. But um, again, he had the option. Um, you know, he bought 40% of the team uh, when Georgia uh, passed. Uh, he had the first option. He took it. And um, that is the point of this lawsuit. And that's um, probably why St. Louisans are, are a little fired up because there was this point where they kept telling St. Louis, Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. You're building a stadium. Good for you guys. And in and, and and the background, Jerry and Stan are working together um, to get this, this to work. So um, here in a moment, we'll talk to Benjamin Albright. And um, he's an NFL expert, NFL reporter out in Denver, but he's from St. Louis. And I believe he's got some ties to the Cronkies. So um, I don't, you know, there's this is a fun lawsuit. I don't know if I want an expansion team. I don't, I don't think I do. I, like I said, I'd rather have a college football team that was good right here in St. Louis. And we could go to that because college football is way more fun right now. Um, but once again, I want to talk about my sponsor, stlmasses.com, Masses Restaurants in St. Louis. Five locations. They are always looking for people to come work now. They actually need workers. So like every restaurant in America, people don't want to work anymore. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't even understand how that works. I guess when you get, anyway, Masses Restaurant. They are my sponsor, five locations, stlmasses.com. Um, once again, if you haven't seen this channel before, here's a quick look, and then I'm going to bring on my guest, uh, Benjamin Albright. But again, we do a lot of a lot of entertainment stuff here uh, and a lot of sports. Check check around the channel, and always make sure you subscribe. But here's a quick look at what we do here, and then we're going to bring in Benjamin. That is Greg Fitzsimmons. I'm very excited to see you on the other side of the Zoom call. It's Craig Gass, Funny Bone. Hello, Craig. Do I get a free pasta when I get to St. Louis? Is that what happens? Uh, you're working with Barstool Sports. You know, the media just portrays this thing out there that, like, everybody is offended. You're taping your first comedy album. That's going to be a big thrill for you. It is. Uh... You are that voice for so many fans, love you or it hate you. It's so different. It's so different, Brad, on TV and being the network guy being right. the team guy because there's Bo Jackson there's you there's Dion well I mean for Dion it was it was a lot different he was always under the spotlight even at Florida State Woo! Right. Woo! oh where did that come from when you start doing that um the first time I heard the record Great Balls of Fire by Jerry Lee Lewis are you still lifting it looks like you're a little scrawny these days yeah uh that's pretty much all I've been doing in quarantine playing basketball much ways I have not. I don't know if you can tell. Yeah, I can see your man babe right there. Don't look at my boob. 
And now we bring in Benjamin Albright from KOA Radio in Denver, and I appreciate you being part of the podcast today. As I, We do sports, we do entertainment, but uh, you've been following this uh, lawsuit, and I'm always interested to talk to people about it, and you're from St. Louis. You grew up in St. Louis, but now living in Denver. I guess tell everybody what we were just talking about. Your, your family's from here. You didn't really grow up here. You had a few years here, but uh, how, did, uh, how did you end up out of St. Louis, I guess? Most of us want to know how do you get out of St. Louis. That's most important. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. Just pack it up and leave. No, I'm kidding. Um, I think uh, well, I was born in St. Louis. Yeah, I was born. Uh, I lived in uh, South County early on. That's where uh, my mom's parents lived. My dad's parents lived up there in Florissant. Um, you know, so we, but the whole family is is, is from the area. Um, now we moved out of there. My dad and, and, and we moved out of there in '83 or '84, I think it was. Um, but uh, yeah, my whole family, grandmas, aunts, uncles, everybody. I think I still have uh, I still have an aunt and uncle there. Uh, but everybody else just about has moved on somewhere else at this point over the last few years. Uh, after Grandma and Grandpa passed away, uh, I think, you know, that's when everybody kind of got out of St. Louis. But that, most of the family, most of my family still lived in St. Louis uh, up until about five, six years ago. And I've always had an affinity for the city. Uh, you know, I used to go back and visit, you know, three or four times a year. So uh, I'm, I'm plenty familiar with Ted Drew's and gooey butter cake and toasted ravioli. And, and, and uh, I've got all my St. Louis notifieds there. Just don't ask me what high school I went to because it wasn't in the state. Well, we look forward to seeing some mountains in the background there in your car as you're driving. Uh, but KOA, you've been at, at KOA in Denver for a while, radio broadcaster out there, and, and trying to kind of, I assume, trying to kind of build like an NFL uh, background and become one of the uh, top dogs, right? Is that sort of, where, where do you find your career right now, and what, where do you expect to go with uh, what you've been doing in, in Denver? Um, well, after I got out of the military, I spent 15 years in the Army. After I got out of the military, I started my own company, and uh, uh, we ended up selling that, kind of retired, and got into this uh, got into this sports thing, and that's that's kind of what I've been doing for the last little while. So you know, it's a lot of fun. Um, I get to I get to cover football for a living. It's like not even working, you know. So uh, you know, so it's 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 a lot of fun. I enjoy um, you know I, I enjoy what I do. I get to uh, my broadcasting studio is literally inside of a team's headquarters. You know, never thought that would be a thing, and so. Um, you know, I just enjoyed it really. And uh, when it quits being fun, then, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not too concerned about being the, the top dog or the number one report, any of that kind of stuff. I, I just enjoy what I'm doing. And when I quit enjoying what I'm doing, I'll, I'll find something else. Well, with the NFL, it's always uh, sometimes half of the games and half of what goes on off the field. And, and the big one for us here in St. Louis, obviously, is this lawsuit. We were wondering why no one was talking about it. And now people are talking about it. This, this uh, trial could start in January if it's not settled. Just your overall take on what's happening, uh, a settlement happening. What are your thoughts as you as you look at this um, as we get closer to January and a, and a trial pending? Well, this uh, this particular thing has, has always been of interest to me, um, and particularly to me, because I think the first major story I ever broke was that, uh, you know, the Rams were relocating to L.A. way back in the day. Nobody wanted to believe that at the time, but, um, you know, happened to, happened to have some information on some things. Um, you know, anyway, so it was, that this story in and of itself has, has always been of, of interest to me. And then, of course, there's a St. Louis connection on top of it. Um, and I, what do I think of it right now? I think that uh, Crosby got caught, you know. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I think he got caught. He, had, he always had plans on moving the team to Los Angeles. It was always something that was in the work. It was obvious to everybody. And uh, they misled the, the, the city of St. Louis. They misled the fans there in St. Louis, and, and they got caught. And um, the problem is, it's that those chickens are coming home to roost now. So, you know, you, you've, you've kind of got a situation where, 
the NFL's got to figure out what's best for the bottom line, and not just for the bottom line in terms of money, but what's best for the bottom line in terms of image as well. The last thing that any of these owners want is, uh, you know, public um, public knowledge of what's in their emails, public knowledge of, you know, their operating procedures, business plans. Like, they don't want any of that stuff out in public. And then, you know, Kroenke, when, when he uh, made the deal to move the team to Los Angeles and brokered that deal with the other owners, one of the things that he did was offer to cover the legal expenses, um, you know, the other owners, if anything rose from it. And then at the owners meetings uh, this past week or week before last, whatever that was, I've uh, barely slept since then. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I know that he, uh, he kind of backed off that. And uh, some of these other owners, that's something that's going around right now. You know, one of those particular things being explored is the possibility of an expansion franchise in St. Louis. What is the thought on that? I know that's a big, everyone goes back and forth, oh, that's not going to happen. Well, maybe it could happen. I mean, this is a lot of money. I mean, every day it goes, seems like the pendulum swings one way or the other. What, what is, where does it swing here today? Well, I would say that it's, uh, the best way to phrase that is that it's in the exploratory phase and it's being couched um, with league and with the league looking into it. It's being couched, the league is looking into expansion in general, uh, which they are. Um, you know, there's some there's some hurdles to overcome with all that, but the league is looking into expansion in general. Part of that is the ownership wants to go to an 18 game schedule, and you know, 36 is a is a better rounder number for 18 games than 32. Uh, and, uh, four of them, I, the ones I know about, are San Antonio, St. Louis, Toronto, and London. Uh, you know, taking a look at that, seeing what the you know the net impact is overall. Does that dilute the talent level of the game? Uh, you know, what does that do overall for? Uh, for economic impact and, and, and logistically, what would it be like? And so there, there's a lot of things to factor, um, you know, just, just getting new franchises uh, and, and having people pay the, the franchise fee for that doesn't necessarily offset the dilution of broadcast revenue divided amongst more teams, uh, which is where the bulk of the NFL's money comes from. It's broadcasting rights, not from attendance and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, there, there are a lot of things to look into and overcome with that. But right now, I would call it, uh, to make a short answer incredibly long, uh, I would call it in the exploratory phase. You mentioned that owner's meeting. Seth Wickersham seemed like he was inside it or outside the door listening in, writing out everything that was said. But you don't see owners on the record saying things like they did after that meeting. Uh, Mara, uh, you know, basically said, we wouldn't have done this if, if Stan wasn't going to pay for this. Your thoughts on just hearing these comments from these owners the fact that there's a civil war kind of brewing with the, well, not really civil war. It's about 30, 31 against one, or I guess 32, Jerry Jones and Kroenke versus the world possibly. But tell me a little bit about when you saw that report and heard of all, all that happening. Yeah, I, I talked to people that were inside that room, and I, I can tell you that there is a bit of a schism. And, and Jerry and Stan have had, a, have had a relationship and a partnership kind of from the beginning because Jerry Jones never wanted to see Mark Davis moved his team to San Antonio, which was his plan originally. It was going to be the San Antonio Raiders. So Jerry Jones brokered the deal that brought the Spanos back to Kroenke, who were original partners on the Inglewood site, uh, brought them back together and worked out a deal to get uh, to get Davis over there to, to Vegas and keep him out of Texas and, and split that, that Texas fan base, you know, one more way. So, uh, you know, you've kind of got a partnership there with those guys, and they're still on the same side. But these other these other owners, are like, hey, whoa, 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 uh, you know, I, say, being in St. Louis or being in LA doesn't affect my bottom line one way or the other. Uh, but now I got to come out of pocket to pay for your legal fees because you bleeped up, you know, moving out of, in the way that you moved out of there. So there is a there is definitely a uh, 
I don't want to call it a distrust, but there's definitely a, uh, a hesitancy uh, with, with, with Kroenke right now because of some of this stuff where he's like, well, you know, I, I, I'm trying to use legalese and I'm trying to, um, you know, semantics my way out of paying uh, your legal fees overall that, that you're going to end up having to pay because, well, we're losing our asses off of this suit. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing to me. I think the other story that sort of, I mean, it's not the same, it's not intertwined, but when emails leak, um, you start to wonder who who leaks emails, and this is the Washington case that got John Gruden basically made him have to resign. Um, but I would wonder who would leak those, and then my next question would be: there might would there possibly be stuff in there about this? You know, it's it's Dan Snyder and it's Washington, but is there anything in there that could be possibly potentially not helpful to the NFL's case when they come into this January trial? Um, I mean, there may be some stuff in there. I'm not privy to like really any owner's uh, private emails, but I, you know, you would imagine that there are probably things in there that uh, are certainly unflattering. Um, the NFL, I know they don't want, you know, any kind of business model, operational cost, expense, discussion, anything like that. I know they don't want anything like that out there. Anytime there's anything like that uh, that has the chance to see the light of day, they find a way to, um, you know, they find a way to, convince the person that has them not to not to get those out there, whether monetarily or uh, some other kind of inducement. Um, I will say that uh, uh, as, as far as there being unflattering things in there, I, I would imagine there would be. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think they want, in addition to finances, I don't think they want casual conversations about the way they do business put out there. I'm certain they don't want anything on uh, old Kaepernick emails, you know, resurfacing and things like that. So, it's not just about any one thing. It's about the, the, the ripple effect or the after, after effect, the aftershock of throwing the rock in the pool and watching the waves fan out. So um, I, I think it's more to do with that. I don't know if there's anything personally that, uh, that that's the smoking gun for St. Louis in those emails. I, I think it's all the other things they don't want out there. I mean, the NFL usually does settle most cases. I think it's 99%. They settle every case they can. They figure out a way to settle. Uh, it feels like St. Louis doesn't want to settle, although I'm sure there's a way that could be done. But it, it sounds like they want people in trial. Is that a, is that an odd feeling for? And is that possibly why there's so much kind of angst amongst owners? Because when you get to trial, anything's fair game, numbers of how much people are making. And does Stan sort of feel like he's you know not getting the backing of the owners? I mean, he did sign the indemnification thing on you know the the day in Houston to get the the thing to move to L.A. Uh, but does he now kind of look back and go, well, I thought you guys were going to help me here, right? I mean, is there a sort of double standard feeling? Um, you know, I, I don't, I can't speak to his specific attitude toward that. I, I would say that those around him feel like that, uh, you know, that he thought that this, that he was going to have more cover, if that makes sense to you. Um, and, and he's not getting that. The fact that, uh, that, that it leaked out, that the other owners are publicly leaking out, that they don't want to cover his legal expenses, I think he views as an affront to himself that that should have been kept, quote, in-house. Um, but those owners are very adamant in the fact that they don't want to come out of their, their own pocket to pay for his move, you know, that, a move that uh, enriches him and doesn't really do anything for them. The broadcast deal, the 10-year broadcast deal they'd already signed, uh, the NFL had already signed, occurred prior to the move. So... Um, it's not really, there's not, uh, I don't know that having two franchises in LA changes anything in terms of what the other owners are making, despite the fact that Stan Kroenke sold it as a, uh, monetary enhancing move for the league. What I'm always curious going into those meetings in Houston, that sounded like it was going to be chargers Raiders to Carson. 
why would they have wanted that? I mean, what? Because at the beginning, they literally Jerry Jones had to walk in and just say, "Listen, Stan's going to build this beautiful facility and, and make it NFL LA." And, and what? Why would we not do that? I don't understand, honestly, why why the the Carson Chargers Raiders thing would have been a better move in the first place. There was concern about the and, and the, the first of all the Carson thing was never going to happen. It was overreported on. There was a lot of leaks coming from the Raiders and Chargers side, and that's why that came out that way. That way, that story was framed through that lens. Englewood was always the preference. Jerry just put him over the top. Uh, there was concern about the the viability, the economic viability of two of the NFL's poorest franchises going into that Carson, uh, going to that Carson location, being able to pay their bills. Uh, Stan Kroenke is one of the wealthier owners in the NFL, uh, and the fact that he paid for his stadium by cutting a check, uh, you know, is, is something else entirely. The fact that it gives the other owners confidence that uh, that this go round in Los Angeles was not going to fail. A second failure in Los Angeles would have would have been an absolute embarrassment for the NFL, considering its position now is the is the top dog in uh, in professional sports in America. How, how did the Chargers uh, ownership, the the people that work there, the fan base, how do they feel about being literally a little stepbrother? I mean, they. I mean, how can this this work? I know they pay a dollar, right? A dollar to 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 uh, be playing in that facility. What is that relationship like? Is it still as terrible as it seemed early on? There was emails out there and things that Charger people just felt very terrible about being the little brother of the uh, of the Rams. What's how's that? How does that get fixed? Or how did, I mean, that doesn't seem like it's going to work. Well, I think that attitude still exists. Um, as a matter of fact, Jeff Bezos even looked into buying the Chargers for a minute there. It was kind of rebuffed uh, by a lot of the other owners. I think they're intimidated by the idea of having a, a Bezos or a Musk in there that can buy the league over. Uh, you know, they, can, they, don't, they don't want owners that are that wealthy in there. You know what I mean? So um, uh, there's, there's the problem with the Chargers is they're, they're a cash poor team. You know, the Spanos are a cash poor team. And, you know, and I say poor, obviously that's relative. They're billion, you know, it's billionaire family and all that kind of stuff. But um, I, I, I think that the attitude of the Chargers, it, it is kind of one of uh, little brother, but they feel like if they can have some success here and capture some of the money uh, in that market, that, that maybe that'll turn it around. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. I think they're several steps behind the Rams in that process already. Uh, and, you know, even though they've got the exciting coach with Staley and, and the exciting quarterback and all that kind of stuff with Herbert, I, I just don't think that they're really um, in a position to do that. Anytime you go to a Chargers game or you attend a Chargers game, and I, you know, I get to see them every year, uh, the, the, the opposing fans outnumber the Chargers fans in that stadium. You know, it, and, and to be fair to Vegas, that happens quite a bit in Vegas as well. But uh, it's, it's not as prevalent as it is in Los Angeles, specifically with Chargers games. And that's juxtaposed with looking at Rams games where it's mostly Rams fans. So uh, I, I do have a feel. I do feel like that there's a little brother syndrome there. How long that will be pervasive, I don't know. And if that ultimately spurs a move to get them out of the sublet and move on, uh, remains to be seen. What's your opinion on how long Stan had L.A. in his in his foresight? I mean, he got control after Georgia passed, and the family basically gave him first a right of refusal. That's around 2008. Was it right around then? I mean, do you feel like it was that soon? Because the lease was going to be up in 2015. I was a fan. I had season tickets. I knew, all right, well, this is not looking good. And each year it looked worse. Stan wouldn't talk. And what, what was your thought on, on basically when he did take over? Was it that was his first thought was, I'm going to make sure I get this thing back out to L.A.? Uh, I think that was his thought before he took over. Um, I know that he and Spanos went out and looked at the Inglewood site back in 09. I'm trying to remember the exact purchase state off the top of my head, and I can't recall. Uh, but I, he, he, um, they, were, they were out there looking at properties out there, and Spanos thought that he was going to be a partner with Kroenke at the time 
on that. Uh, and ultimately, that's what drove the whole Carson City thing to begin with, was this Thanos felt backstabbed that Kroenke went out and bought the land by himself instead of partnering with him. Uh, and, and then that led him to try to seek a, an alliance with Mark Davis, start the whole Carson thing, and you know that was ultimately doomed. You're not a lawyer, but I mean, you'd have to say, well, this shows that because here in 2015, they have Eric Grubman, we have town halls. Hey, keep putting, you know, putting that stadium proposal out there. They had they had renderings and all of these things. And the Rams and the NFL said, good job. Keep going because it and it clearly wasn't going to you just said 2009. I mean, now you're not a lawyer, but this is seemingly it's pretty incriminating. And I, I, I'm no attorney, but I will tell you that anybody buying that parcel land back in 2009 wasn't putting the world's biggest Walmart on it out there in Los Angeles. I mean, and there was also the, the you know, Stan's from Missouri, but then he has to, you know, on his way out, they had some kind of not so nice things. It was more through Kevin Demoff, but uh, it just seemed like, you know, another reason, another thing to put on top of this lawsuit it's just an interesting way to leave. You know, I think what we all think is if they just said, hey, listen, lease is up. I have my option to go look. Then I can go look. But they didn't say that. And I think my I guess my question is, why wouldn't you do that? Right. I mean, it seems like it'd be the easiest thing. It's it's very obvious. There's a there's a city that wants us. There's all there's land. The NFL wants us. Uh, you guys aren't building a, a stadium. You're not you know, contributing to the stadium. It's always my devil's advocate. They even said this top third stadium thing. Um, that, you know, St. Louis was an in, I, I don't even understand how they, they, <laughs> why they figure out what's in the top third, but, um, I, I was just curious why they just didn't say, Hey, you know, this is the, the situation. This was a bad lease. We're leaving. And, you know, I don't use the word dishonest, but it kind of feels like that's the word you have to use with regarding the whole situation, intent and, and everything like that. I think if Stan had come to St. Louis and said, look, Hey, I've got this land here. I can build this stadium on. Here's what I need from you. And these guarantees in terms of uh, support from around the city in terms of financials, this is what I need to stay here. I approached it that way. I think it would have been a, uh, I think it would have been easier on everybody in terms of them getting out of there. But I think at the same time, he felt that he couldn't do that. I think the Rams as a whole as a team felt like they couldn't do that. Well, it's just, yeah, I think I felt like, you know, it was obvious that it was obvious that, uh, that, that there was not, people were not above board in all their dealings. And I think if the Rams had done that, it would have gone a lot better for everybody. I think that, that really what happened here is that the Rams were scared they were going to, because they were going to need to be in St. Louis for a few years, uh, roughly about five years, give or take, that they were going to, you know, that they were going to need the support of the fans to be able to make operational costs. They didn't want to stick as much money with fans abandoning them and bad-mouthing them for that long. And um, So I, I think that they played along like they were staying in St. Louis and they kind of, you know, they, they kind of put things forward like they were staying in St. Louis. But they knew all along that the intent was to go to Los Angeles. Um, and, and that subterfuge ultimately is really is what led to uh, the situation where it is now. I think if they'd been honest and upfront, Stan said, "Look, I've got this land out here. Uh, these are the costs. This is what this is what I get out of this in Los Angeles. What can you guarantee me here in St. Louis that competes with that? Put in a competing offer. We'll look at these together." I, I think if he'd approached it from that angle from the get go, uh, that, that maybe we'd be in a different position here. But his intent, to my knowledge, is to have the point of scouting that land all the way back in 2008, 2009. Last couple of questions, and this is just me, you know, spitballing with you, but like there doesn't ever seem like there's anything that will bring the NFL down. Even if this lawsuit happens, it'll be a chink, and I think they're, this is a lot of money they're talking about. I never thought that there would be enough money to scare owners 
in a lawsuit uh, of the NFL, but this one does seem to scare. But they've had concussion issues that they kind of run through. They've had social issues that they've sort of fixed. But the NFL has that Teflon mafioso feel to me. Like, they can kind of just sort of do because at the end of the day, every Sunday, every Sunday night, uh, sometimes on Monday, uh, highest rating shows, uh, you know, throughout the year, everyone loves to go to the NFL. They really, they just sort of have that mafioso and Teflon feel. I mean, is there anything that possibly could ever bring them down? I, I really thought, by the way, the concussion thing would, because I thought maybe kids, parents and kids would stop playing, but that's not happening. I, I, that was a couple of years ago. Now it's like, nah, everybody's playing again. Everybody's watching. Well, that was, that was exactly where I was going with it. If CTE wasn't going to bring the NFL down, I don't think anything ever is other than just the The world with residual costs, back payments, everything else. CTE was the thing that was going to do it, if anything was going to do it. Um, so now you've got this in front of you. And the problem is not, and, and you, you'll have to consult attorneys on this portion of it. There's some great ones out there that have a great read on this. But uh, the, the the problem is not necessarily the relocation and, and the, and the uh, the flaunting of the rules. The problem is the uh, uh, the business value adjustment in, in the, the penalty phase of the lawsuits in Missouri law and how that would escalate the potential verdict uh, away from the NFL in this particular case. It's just a, a perfect storm of ingredients against the league on this one. And, um, you know, so I, I think that's what has them worried. They're, they've, they've got themselves stuck in something that they did not foresee. And for uh, as wealthy as those guys are, for as smart as those guys are, I know we often make fun of guys for being dumb and all that kind of stuff, but they wouldn't be where they were if it wasn't at least a modicum of intelligence. Um, and for as smart and as wealthy as those guys are, they didn't see this one coming. Yeah, and what, finally, what is your gut feeling? What happens here? Uh, settlement, we go to trial. Uh, obviously, there's appeals if there's a trial, so this could go on and on. But tell me what your gut feeling is, what happens in the next couple months. Gut says they go to trial. Lee, you know, puts its foot in the water to see exactly where they're at with this thing during trial. And... Uh, uh, and then turns around and offers the, they'll offer a settlement ahead of time that'll get rejected is my guess. And then they'll go to trial and offer a, a, a an equitable settlement at that point that, that gets results. I don't think that this goes to verdict and that appeal. Um, but you never know. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe there's something that happens in those first couple of days of trial swings the NFL's way and gives them a little more hope. How's it out there with the, uh, the Cronkies owning some other teams? I know his wife owns along with Josh, uh, the Avs, uh, nuggets go, you, you made a face. So I guess there's, there's something to tell me here. Uh, yeah, Stan Kroenke is not well liked here in Denver. I'll say that, um, you know, they own the nuggets and the abs. Nobody can watch them on TV because there's a, a broadcast uh, dispute with some of the regionals and, and altitude, which is one of the, the, the Kroenke owned regional sports network that would carry them. Uh, so fans can't even watch them on TV, you know, 90% of the time for the last couple of years. So, uh, Stan Kroenke's name here in Denver is not one that's, uh, that I would say is well liked. So I, and that's a good thing. It's like, why does he? I know it's because it gives you more of a portfolio, but he doesn't seem to really be a sports fan anymore. It's just, like I know he was. I know he loved college basketball when he was in Columbia, and he was going to all the games. And but it felt like somewhere along the line, he decided I'd rather be on that you know Forbes 400 list, and then I don't really care about these teams winning. It's it's it. it I don't know when it took that turn, but it feels like it did. Yeah, I think uh, I think Stan enjoyed sports. I think he enjoys sports, but I think he found a sport that interests him more, and that's uh, one that keeps score by how many dollars you have at the end of the day. Um, and I, I think I really do feel like that's his sport now. Yeah, well, he's he's winning. I guess he's winning at that one. The, the, the Rams, 
Yeah, more than I am. I was gonna say Arsenal doesn't has, doesn't have much fun over there. Uh, you talked about the Colorado teams, but uh, he, he's winning. He's he's winning uh, between me and you. He's beating us. I would say probably. I don't know what you're doing, but I know he's doing better than I. If we combined our uh, if we combined our net wealth, I still think we would both be well short of where we needed to be. All right. Well, I'm very happy that uh, we had no accidents. You drove seamlessly through traffic in Denver. What do you get? The, uh, the 10? That's not the 10. What is it? So we well, got 70. I-70 runs through there, but you're probably not on a highway, right? Yeah, I was on the interstate. I was on I-25. So I-25 runs uh, perpendicular. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's I-70. So so I was started at where 70 and 25 meet. Now I'm uh, down here at Broncos headquarters or about a block away. So that's uh, Benjamin Albright from KOA Denver. And uh, hopefully we got a little more into the Cronkies and what they're up to, but uh, an interesting conversation there. And who knows, maybe a trial, maybe not, but uh, we'll we'll continue to kind of see if we can get some more folks on here to give their thoughts. There's going to be a lot of news coming out here probably in the next, well, every week I would think there's going to be news with this thing. So looking forward to it. Uh, more entertainment, more entertainment interviews coming. It's Here's the Pitch here on ST Weekly. Make sure you subscribe and tell your friends. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.